0: Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Ferrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello,
1: everybody. This time we're joined by Sawa, the artist behind the one-person black metal band, Black Braid. Welcome to the show. Hey,
2: thank you. Thank you for having me on. Excited. Yeah, thank thank you, you for joining for us. Thank <laughs> you join us.
0: Ooh, Mateus, we're getting in sync. <laughs> yeah, we did that. We were uh, we were like perfectly timed then. <laughs> it's only taken a hundred odd episodes. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited about this. I know it it might not be strictly Nordic mythology, but a lot of our stuff isn't anyway. Um, and the
1: yeah, the, and this is still relevant. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely, but. I think for me in particular, the Native American side of things really fascinates me. And I just don't know enough about it. being on the European side. We kind of I feel like anything we learn organically comes from TV or film and it's gonna be so inaccurate, I imagine. Unless you really do your own individual deep dive and kind of get in there. I think we just get secondhand knowledge from tv so i'm looking forward to actually seeing some truths
2: yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's so hit and miss you know there is a lot of Mm -hmm. some some stuff out there is accurate but there is a lot of garbage out there too it is really hard to know like what is what i guess if you're you know especially if you're on a different continent and
0: Mm -hmm. you don't really know
2: what to go by but
0: i mean we get obviously we get that with with this when it comes to the vikings you get yeah tons of yeah. misinformation put out in movies and TV shows. And then you get a bunch of people who then get into this and think that that stuff's accurate. And it, I don't know if it, the same thing happens. And then you got a bunch of bros with uh, Viking mohawks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it. And I was curious, that just got me curious whether that happens in kind of the native American communities as well. Like, cause we get, you'll get particularly, I guess a, a sect of Americans and Europeans and, and Brits who, really get into the viking culture and then identify as as being scandinavian they'll find a link back at some point and then it becomes their they're almost like their identity and yeah you get a bunch of them infighting amongst who knows the most and who knows this does that happen With yeah with- man
2: yeah it's almost you know it's like uncanny how how big the similarities are there. Like it's, it's almost the same situation just going mm-hmm. the other direction. Um, cause I see that a lot here too. Um, you know, being a history buff and stuff, I do know a deal, a good deal amount about, mm-hmm. uh, Scandinavian history and the Vikings and stuff. And like here in the U S you can see the same thing. Like there's these guys that are like, just you know, a hundred percent British American who like discover that, maybe their great great grandfather went to Norway or something. And then they listen to him on a Marth and then they become like Viking (laughs) obsessed. And, uh, you know, they're like a hundred percent Viking through and through. And it's like, there's just like this huge kind of like fake culture around it. I don't really know what else to call it. It sounds kind of mean to call it fake, but like, it's obviously, you know, it's not really based in truth when it comes down Mm -hmm. to it. Um, and yeah honestly it it happens almost in in the exact same way with uh with native culture um you see a lot of people in the u s doing the same thing like um they'll you know really romanticize just like certain very small aspects of native mm. culture like the headdress or the war bonnet or something you know um and then they'll that's a it's also like a very common thing like the genetic thing like um white Americans like really try really hard to find like the most minuscule link to any sort of native American blood they can in their, uh, in their lineage. Um, and like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little weird at times, but like, I, you know, I mean, I have white people come up to me on the street all the time and not really anymore. Cause I don't live in a city. Uh, but you know, like when I was younger and I was, you know, and going out and i was in the city and stuff um people would be like oh are you native american and they, you know it'd be two guys look just like you and they'd be like oh we're full blood cherokee and like <laughs> you know, oh like, no um it, it's all the time and it's always cherokee like for some reason yeah. everyone everyone thinks they're cherokee that's like the one tribe that everyone believes that they came from
0: yeah um, i think it's true. probably the most well-known uh, tribe. other than other than the Sioux tribe i think that's i'm yeah. all out of tribes there <laughs> so that shows my kind of the level of knowledge i'm at so <laughs> i i can that's probably why it is that because it's because it, it's made up we get it all the time i don't know if you get it the same with like legendary figures but you know i'm the son of son of ragnar or even people like i'm the son of odin or like i, I can track it back to to this like legendary figure and it's like No, you can't. You fucking can't. can't. (laughs) Um, The
1: the statistical probability of, uh, you know, anybody with, like, uh, "Quote unquote," Norwegian blood, uh, to some extent, dis- descending from Harold Finehair or something like that, is is pretty high. I think it's mm-hmm. about sixty to seventy percent who who can be expected to to have some kind of genetic link to 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 those like known Vikings and, mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. I think it's really fascinating. Like this this situation, it 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 tells us a lot. Like sometimes I I actually refer to Vikings. As sort of like, uh, uh, you know, they've become the new Native Americans to a lot of white Americans, right? That like they're the new sort of like link to sort of like a a a. I, you know, you 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 take different concepts and, and pour them in. You have warrior, you have like child of nature, you know, those kinds of things, and that comes together as sort of like the thing we want to associate with. So. I, I think what it actually tells us is that there's a lot of, of people in this country who are very hungry for, you know, deeper connections in, in many different ways. And and unfortunately it takes these silly,
0: <laughs> silly forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, the big difference has to be that I guess the, the Vikings or Scandinavians weren't oppressed in the same way oh yeah so so i i I was was wondering your thought on that on on people then looking for that small percentage of native must be very odd when you clearly clearly you will have struggled for being native that must be a a strange thing whereas it's not really the same when it comes to to scandinavia because it's you have don't have that same kind of oppression there
2: yeah yeah it, it definitely is weird it's a bit weird um It's almost like, uh, I mean, I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to dive into the psychology of it too much, but it kind of seems like they're looking for a way, uh, to absolve themselves of the guilt maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, white people did a lot of awful things to us in, uh, in this country, Mm -hmm. um, under the banner of Christianity, mostly. Um, but, um, you know it's if you're living in this country as a white person it's kind of hard like it's it's a really hard thing to acknowledge you know especially if it was generations ago and like you know you can see the issues that colonization caused are still very relevant and stuff but it's obviously not like it's not something that happened in our lifetime so it's like it's a really sticky situation where maybe you know it only happened um like one or two hundred years ago and a lot of the wounds are still very fresh and uh, you know um, there's still a lot of tensions between native and white people in the U S mm-hmm. we still get a lot of racism. So um, it's almost kind of like, uh, I think it, a lot of people kind of feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it kind of almost is like a way for them to try to like absolve themselves without, you know, I don't know it's 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 tricky to say why people do those Mm -hmm. things but um that would be my guess but it's funny because like you said that um about people trying to trace their lineage back to ragnar and stuff and it's like uh you know like at this point like it happened so long ago that like so many people can you know like you said like 41 percent or something (laughs) descended from that dude so it's like not very uncommon um But with us, it's, like, such a different story because the Indian Wars were just, like, 150 years ago or something. So, like, Mm -hmm. and also uh, Native Americans, like, it's pretty much all oral history and tradition. Um, You know, we weren't writing shit down or doing, like, extensive documentation or anything. Um, It's mostly we pass our shit down through, uh, like, storytelling and, you know, oral stuff. Um, So, like, as far as, you know, like, giant historical figures like that and stuff like, um, there's not much known about people more than, you know, one or 200 years ago. So like all the really famous native Americans are still, they've only been dead maybe a hundred years at most. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, um, it's, it is a thing like, uh, not so much with like people, uh, you know, pretending to be native American or looking for a reason to claim it, but like amongst the actual full-blooded native Americans, like it's a big kind of status symbol to be like, Oh, like crazy horse was my great, great, great grandfather. Mm. Or like, you know, like sitting bull was my, was my, uh, was my cousin or my second cousin. Um, so like a lot of the times you'll see natives, uh, kind of like going at each other for clout, um, okay. with, like their own lineage because like, you know, the little bighorn and wounded knee and shit like that was, yeah. You know, 120 years ago or something so like mm-hmm. it we're still at the point where like a lot of these people like their great great grandchildren are alive now
0: yeah i feel like you could trace that and call them liars though that that must be you must be quite easily able to trace back and go well, well, you're well not. you
2: know you can but um you can but at the same time like we were also polygamous, and there was no—oh, uh, okay. There's no documentation, okay. you know. So, like, who's to say if Crazy Horse had seven children okay. or nine children? Right, okay, and then yeah. like, who's to say how many children each of those children had? Like, mm-hmm. there's just like so many things that are undocumented that it's like, um, there's okay, a very yeah. good chance. Like, it's also kind of a problem with like uh, intermarriage with Native Americans because like okay. so many, so many of us are related and don't know it. Until mm. we take a DNA test or something. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Honestly,
1: historically that has also been a problem in Scandinavia.
0: <laughs> yeah. I imagine um, that's that's been a problem everywhere. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's funny because um a lot of a lot of tribes still cling to stuff like that because um I guess that might be one of the only major differences It's like our big heroes and like war heroes and stuff and chiefs like um are still in the very recent past for us Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah absolutely i think it's interesting you you saying about it being passed down through oral traditions because that's pretty much exactly the same as as what i guess norse nordic mythology was mm -hmm. passed down so i
1: mean originally um these were also stories that were passed down orally or poems that were remembered and, and recited and until they were written down in the 1200s. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing to study sort of like how oral stories develop and, um, and, and also when, you know, when you're when you're talking about that, you're also talking about what is actually truth. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and we have like in 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 like the Western way of thinking about truth, it, it is always it always goes back to, well, is it written in a book somewhere? Like, that, that's been sort of like the standard for truth, right? And that's an entirely different, too, in oral uh, traditions, where truth uh, is actually, like, multifaceted in different ways. And and also, quite often, has a lot to do with, like, relevance. Like, what what this person is saying right now or telling in this story, is this relevant to us or not? And if it's not relevant, then there's also a tendency to say, well, then it's not truthful, but it mm-hmm. is relevant then it becomes truthful. So mm. that I think that's incredibly uh, fascinating to think about uh the fact that we humans actually don't have a set truth that mm. we can access because the 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 idea that truth comes in in books and written stuff is is you know just a construction that we've made. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah. 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 I think I've two questions. One... Oh, th- one one would be the with with obviously native history and the stories, it's still very much in the now. I imagine it's very still told from generation to generation because it is such a re- recent past. And it's still going on. It's still you know traveling through through today. Whereas with kind of naughty mythology, it's dead and buried in in a sense that it's not really passed on in the way that it traditionally was. It was cut out by you know Christianity coming in. Sweeping across. So, Mateus, do you think that we can learn things and how things survive in in the native cultures today, because it is kind of a newer way, but it's so similar, but new. And we can look at that and and apply that back to Mm -hmm. to kind of the lost things and look at maybe how these were translated and and improved.
1: Yeah, actually, in my uh, my my book on uh, volcanoes in old Norse mythology, I oh, uh, always
0: plug in that bloody book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, it's the only research book I've written. Okay? <laughs> well, what what I what I do in uh, there is that I I use um, a, some a scholarship on uh, a Native American storytelling um, a, to 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 better understand how. Uh, this situation could have been in Iceland before they had any writing. And um, there's a really great book called wisdom sits in places. Um, uh, Keith Basso has written it. It's he, he followed uh, Apache uh, uh, placemakers or so st- storytellers about place around in the landscape and and heard their stories. And what they do is that they, they have place names, that are very descriptive for for a, a location, and then they they like unfold a story from that place name. There's one particular one um, uh, that I remember, um, which is about. Uh, um, so the location is called Shit's Intense. That's the translation, and. Oh the story that that the elder is telling about this is a story about these uh, two uh um uh, two groups that were living there and one of them uh, had a bountiful harvest of 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 maize or corn and the other group didn't and then the group that had all the corn they didn't want to share so they they were just sitting in their tents eating and then the other group they they got mad and so they besieged them and 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 kept them in the tents um (laughs) until they were like just sitting there uh, eating and shitting and eating and shitting and eating and shitting and this like is like a funny story and in uh, hearing it now but it actually uh, carries a very important message about sharing right Mm -hmm. about uh you know taking care of your community and You know, you you can look at place names in Scandinavia in the same way, and you can see different things about historical developments or the relevance of a place. There are plenty of place names in Scandinavia that have, like, you know, that that have been named after gods. There are place names that carry tribal names. And then we can also identify the origin of the first sort of – uh, incipient feudal societies where you see like a man who owns land that comes in the 500s. So uh, so you can see that before that, we don't have a lot of like place names that indicate, oh, this guy owns his land. But then in the 500s, all of a sudden, there's like an explosion of place names, uh, especially in southern Scandinavia, that indicate that somebody inherited land. Um, so you can trace like the history of a people, the history of societal developments, and all these things, and also ideas that these societies had through mm. place names. And so, um, I, I think that's uh, you know those storytelling traditions are incredibly fascinating, you know, fascinating because they are emplaced in the landscape. And when we read Nordic mm. mythology, it's detached now. Like, there's not a lot that has to do with specific locations any longer because it was put in a book instead.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that
2: makes sense. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Am I – this could be completely ignorant. I don't know. We're not scared. Am I right in thinking that with, with native stories, they tend to be kept very close and not shared to outsiders? Is that pretty common? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah,
2: it it really just depends who's telling it. I think, you okay. know, um, yeah, it's such a, it's, you really can't say, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. okay. You know, some people, yeah, it, it really just depends who who's telling the story. You know, um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that, you know, won't really tell, you know, they're very guarded and they won't really speak to outsiders at all, but then, there's people who are the opposite too. Um, okay. So I think it's 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 pretty situational in that case. I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I can't remember where I I heard that. and I just wondered whether it was seen as culturally bad to maybe share the stories. Think um, of the mythology, like outwardsly. Yeah, maybe
2: a bit more in the past. I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know our culture was really decimated by the government and the church. Yeah. Um, and we were, a lot of people were really guarded um, about it for a long time, but in our lifetime, you've kind of seen it go in the other direction a bit where like, um, you know, the culture and the language is almost going extinct because it was wiped out so thoroughly. Mm. And um, now it seems, you know, in the last few decades, like, people are kind of more apt to share things and mm-hmm. it's almost like a revival of the culture. Like, uh, yeah. it's more in the public light again. And, you know, we're not persecuted for doing these things anymore where it used to be illegal. So it's easier to talk mm-hmm. about them now too. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably has something to do with why, you know, old people, especially older people are, are so guarded about things
0: Yeah, because, um, you know,
2: they used to cut out your tongue and shit for that, you know, maybe 80 years ago. It's 70 fucking, years ago, it's you fucking know, wild. Uh,
3: <laughs> that's
0: so,
2: insane. Um, it comes back to kind of how it's all a very new, like a very recent development. Mm-hmm. You know, like the last boarding school I think closed less than 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's it, just um, it's all like, I guess it would really be situational though to mm-hmm. answer your yeah. question. Like, it just depends how people feel. I guess. Um,
0: I okay, yeah, and it depends on like the. Like you say the, the the circumstances how the vibe is maybe at the time, and if you're getting on with, you trust the people it's it's all a big spectrum i guess um but that, that's again that's another comparison I think we can kind of make the I imagine when Christianity came to Scandinavia you had the same thing happen where you couldn't practice you know the old religions, so you had to then be inwardly and, and not share these stories anymore and you have whereas it, there's a much bigger difference in time between then and obviously with native, but it's it's a similar sort of thing if you've been pushed down and and punished and it kind of that's i guess one of the reasons why we know so little concretely about the the Nordic mythologies well yeah I yeah
2: mean, yeah yeah i mean from oh um go ahead yeah just to say like uh yeah probably from maybe you know like 18 1875 to about 1950 or 1960 um it was like pretty illegal to really identify with our own culture at all to like have an indian name or speak an indian language or tell indian stories um Mm -hmm. so yeah a lot of it was really lost in that time period um it wasn't until like the 70s and 80s where we started winning our rights back in this country like I don't think Mm -hmm. we had freedom of religion nationwide wasn't, wasn't legalized until, uh, 79, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's all very recent and I think that probably leads to, yeah, why some people are still so guarded.
1: This, so this is a uh, yeah I just want to attach the comments that this is also uh, kind of interesting because one of the things that is that is often overlooked in this country when we talk about civil rights movements is the Native American civil rights movement like the the the, the great strides of like regaining rights uh the right to exist as, as you know free human beings right uh voting rights being considered citizens all of these things, right? That comes in the 70s for, for Native Americans here. That's very recent. Like, think about that. I think mm. it's crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, going, going to this uh, um, uh, the subject of, like, what does
0: Christianity do when, uh, when it enters Scandinavia? Just, um, just before yeah. we jump onto that, just if we put a pin in it. Um, before the show, you said that we could call you John. If if we wanted, because your your name is hard to pronounce, yeah, particularly yeah. For, for for me and Matthias nailed it. I think in the end, after a little correction, it, do you, is that a hang up from what you were saying just then about how having the native name is is a negative thing? So you automatically kind of have this reaction to give this white English easy name <laughs> to people.
2: No, no, it's not so much that. Um, um. Skag- Skagasawa is like an alias for me. Like, uh, I took it because I play black metal. So oh, okay. I'm not like that. I'm not like insanely attached to it. Like, I've gone by John my whole life, but okay. Skagasawa is the equivalent of like, you know, like being uh, like uh, Abith or, or Fenris or something, you know? It's just like a name I use for metal. Oh, Raid.
0: okay. Okay. I thought that was your, your birth name and then you just simplifying it for us. Because you know, no, no, I'm and so, There's no way I can pronounce it.
2: No, no, it is like, uh, it, yeah, I took, tu- I took that name just for Blackbird. So okay, okay, that yeah. could be it up. Sorry,
1: Matthias carry on. Yeah, so, um, yeah, what you see is. The first thing that always happens when when Christianity comes into a location is that the people get regulated in accordance with what is considered right or proper from the Christian perspective. So we can see in the medieval laws, like the main thing that they worry about is whether or not you do like pagan ritual. So there's a you know in the Norwegian law code Ya see that there's like a stipulation that says you you cannot go and make sacrifices to the heathen vaitir uh, actually so that the beings and you also can't go Finfara uh, which has that that might be like for lack of a better term some kind of shamanic uh, ritual um, that that we see uh, both Sami and and also Germanic-speaking Scandinavians uh, doing, and in like in the same way, you s- you see this type of regulation uh, here I- in America. Um, it, it, you know, a couple of things that we don't think about too much today, as like oh, that actually has its origin in trying to regulate uh, and punish too the Native American populations are. Uh, You know, prohibitions against gambling and also uh, prohibitions against dancing. So that, like, you know, we might have seen Footloose, right? And that's like this weird, stuck up conservative town and you can't dance and all that stuff. All that shit comes from trying to regulate Native Americans um, back in the day. So like these things also like become part of the culture. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you have like these societies where you can't dance and, uh, you know, you can't gamble and and all all of that stuff. So it's like, there's like still things that are part of like, um, not so much dancing, but the gambling thing, like it's, it's, curious to see how they're like their laws against gambling pretty much everywhere in the u.s and Mm -hmm. uh that's just like taken for granted that that's something that needs to be regulated for some reason and it's like the actual reason is colonization like (laughs) it it is because gambling was such a big part of native american cultures across the continent because Mm -hmm. gambling wasn't just like oh getting getting a rush out of like trying to win something it was also a way to exchange right like exchange all kinds of things mm. and so so like that's that was a way for for the settlers to you know break a, a, a like core aspect of Native American culture um yeah. in a way to disseminate the you know property in different the, ways
0: the ga- the gambling thing I don't really understand it been a been a Brit it's so. It's a thing we can just gamble pretty much anywhere. It's not a thing, but I, I again I I apologize if I if I come across as ignorant, but I guess I am because I just don't really know that much about it. The the gamma thing I've always seen on like TV shows or kind of particularly being a fan of combat sports, there's always like talk of like the reserves being able to house things that maybe you can't have elsewhere. Yeah. What what is that why is like the whole gambling thing Cause it does seem to be there's a lot of native casinos yeah. and i've never really understood why um oh well, natives are
2: the actually uh I, I don't know the um you know the details of the law but natives are pretty much the only people in the u.s allowed to gamble okay. um, for the most part uh and that comes down to territory laws um so like you can't uh you can't gamble legally on, on U S soil. Obviously there's, there's ways around it. Like, um, I think you, there's like online betting and stuff and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's racetracks and stuff where you can bet on horses or whatever. But, um, it's like really hard, like, uh, to make a casino, like you can't just make a casino or a racetrack. Like you could, uh, like, you know, start your own, Hotel, or restaurant, or something—not yeah. this business. Like, not, you are not allowed to make a facility uh, because of like U.S. laws. Mm-hmm. Um, but the loophole in that is that the reservations aren't considered U.S. soil. You know, they're sovereign nations. So, if they never made their own laws against gambling, then it's not illegal on them.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Does does that bring a lot of wealth to the? Because do you get people like outsiders then coming in to for the casinos for the right to gamble? I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, because anyone can a, go gamble. Revenue stream.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, that is that that is really it. Um, it is a major source of reg- revenue for a lot of tribes. I would say mm-hmm. um, yeah. the ones that have casinos anyway. So
1: yeah. Yeah. there are there are a couple of exceptions here and there like for instance the town i live next to like blackhawk they uh, they have gambling too um but yeah it is it is an, an incredibly difficult to to get away with
0: um yeah if it's... i may shift gear um i really want to hear about black braid oh, <laughs> and as before we yeah? before we do um I know this might be a little bit of a dark path, but again it's something that I know nothing about and I'd love to know a little bit more about and I saw it in the news and somebody asked it in the chat um and that was to do with you mentioned boarding schools and it kind of I just kind of like nodded my head and was like, yeah, but I never really understood in what relation the boarding schools were but then I remember hearing a bunch of stuff on the news earlier in the year and i I just never really kind of understand and i don't know if we can have like a quick quick
2: um without uh without really delving into it too deeply because it's like such a you know (laughs) we could talk about it for a week (laughs) yeah um it's it's one of the darkest things that's ever happened in on this continent i would say um but the boarding schools were were essentially concentration camps for children um and they would send our children there uh you know they'd shave their heads and brainwash them and uh They'd make, they'd make them stop speaking their native language and they'd uh, make them all, they'd give them all Christian names. You know, mm-hmm. they cut out their tongues if they spoke their language, um, oh. torture them, things along that lines. Uh, you know, ten, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of children were murdered and put in unmarked graves at boarding schools um, over the course of like the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they were pretty much like uh, institutes for They were run by, uh, the government and, um, the Catholic church. Uh, Mm -hmm. and they were pretty much like institutes to, they were like concentration camps to erase our culture Mm -hmm. is what the main, uh, what the main, uh, goal of them was. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, those aren't really a thing of the past. Like, um, the last boarding school in Canada closed in 1994. Mm -hmm. and I think it was like 89 or something in the US was the last one close, so
0: um, but yeah yeah. yeah. That's fucked Um, (laughs) That's uh, probably what got me is that that They would take the children
2: off the reservations once they, you know, they'd come once a year and then they'd take all the children and um, you know, they were boarding schools, they'd go away for the year or whatever I
0: feel mm -hmm. like boarding schools just isn't the right, because that's not a boarding school to me Like in, in in England, like a body school is where people send their kids. I just guess it's the same. In, it, yeah. It the same I mean, we in America. Like you just send your, like, people send their kids away for like a, a term or semester. And then they, they come back. Like, that's just, that's not a body school. <laughs> that's yeah.
1: yeah I but, think concentration camp is a, is a better yeah, term for it. Yeah.
0: That, yeah. Fucking hell. That's that, that, that got me. Um, yeah. because that's just something that we don't hear about over here. like, I, yeah. I'd, I'd heard about you know when they when they did they, they found some children was it in Canada in one of the the churches like you kind of hear it peripherally but you just don't know the details or they don't go into it, and it, it I guess it's all just buried in hush hush. Um, yeah. So Canada just... found uh, in Canada
2: they just started digging because there's, all the boarding schools have unmarked graves because you know they wouldn't like bury the children mm-hmm. they just like toss them in a ditch or whatever. Um. Okay. So, uh, so Canada like just started uh looking for unmarked graves last year, and that's like why it's in the news now is because it's like kind of the wound has been like reopened. But I mean, so it should even in the last year. Uh, I think the number of unmarked children graves they found is up to like sixteen or seventeen thousand now in Canada. Wow. Um, across the last eighteen months or whatever it has been, they're digging and um they've also only checked maybe like 20 or 30 out of like 150 schools. So the number, the number is definitely in the hundred thousands. It's just like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things like no one really wanted to talk about. Um, so it kind of just did like get ignored for Mm -hmm. most of the last century. And now it's kind of getting uncovered again, but good. Uh, yeah, it's like the tip. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg, uh, that you're seeing right now like there's definitely a lot out there that Mm -hmm. still isn't being talked about
3: yeah
0: yeah i I imagine it's scary to to even think how deep it goes because once with things like this once once the you know the 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 card goes and the house you know the house card starts to topple it there's no stopping it one you know once people start really getting into it and and particularly these days where things spread online so fast and people get rally behind it and, and you see movements behind it I guess it, the the layers start to come off and it just you can't put that back in the box as much as as much as the government as much as Christianity want to fucking jam that back in the box and hide it like once it's it's out it I guess it's out and it starts to it might not be as quick as it should be but it does start to slowly turn and kind of escape yeah yeah but unfortunately the people responsible are probably fucking dead and buried and i never going to feel any reparations for 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 what they did
2: yeah yeah most likely i mean it's it's mostly the church is what it is uh the government was involved equally but like the church the catholic church really spearheaded the boarding school movement
1: mm-hmm. yeah okay i mean I, that i i think also you know uh, is a decent segue into your 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 project mm-hmm. black because uh and one of the things that you do uh, in your music, uh, so I, as we were talking about just before we uh, uh, we started recording, I I I read an interview where you said that like uh, you've been as you're a fan of black metal, so you know a lot of Scandinavian black metal and that kind of stuff, and you were like, well, that's that's getting boring, that's getting uh, <laughs> uninteresting, <laughs> and so so what you did is that like for your music project, you have combined the sounds of black metal, the sounds of like nature and you know uh, uh, also uh, traditional uh, sounds of different kinds and what you're highlighting is also the the history of Native Americans and I I find that to be an incredibly fascinating project so I would love to hear you talk more about that.
2: Yeah I mean that's kind of been my goal from day one is kind of like you know I love black metal and um, it's not even so much like um maybe it's not even that boring but it, i feel like it's oversaturated um because mm-hmm. you know europe is like the undisputed king of black metal and there's just so much coming out of europe all the time and um it's not even like i'd say it's boring but like uh you know like i i love classic black metal like um dissection and uh immortal stuff like that Immortals huge for me guys like that but it's like um it's not even like it's bad or boring so to speak but like it's so hard to stand out at this point in time it's just because these albums come out and i'm mm-hmm. like oh this sounds like immortal <laughs> you know but <laughs> it's like really hard not to just be like oh like uh these guys want to be immortal or like these guys want to be Bathory, or you know like mm-hmm. dark throat or something like um it just seems like it's getting kind of crowded like there's so much it's like such a saturated genre and it's like i love that classic black metal sound but i don't um i kind of wanted to find a way to make it more unique i guess um because you know as much as i love that stuff like immortal and dark throne and shit like that like um it just didn't seem interesting to me to put out another you know like uh really northern winter, <laughs> wintery <laughs> pagan album. Yeah. So, like, I wanted to have something unique in there. And um, I also really just want to write genuine metal. Uh, so I wanted to write something that I could identify with, you know, and that, like, comes from my heart and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also, like, not really any really fucking great. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of great uh, Native American black metal guys out there. Um but they're all like really small and underground. Yeah. Um and you know there's no there's no Native American like Metallica or Ozzy or you know or Mayhem or just some like Powerhouse of Black Metal like there's you know there's no Dark Throne or Mayhem or any of those mm-hmm. guys uh equivalent um and getting getting big was never really my intention but it's just like I kind of wanted to just like be you know it's almost like I see all these guys, um, all these other native guys that are doing awesome black metal. And like, it really seems to be taking off here in the U S it's becoming a bigger movement so fast and they're doing great things. And like, I love black metal too. And it was kind of just like, Hey, I should, I should get in on this. Like, I really want to write some black metal. And like, it was almost like, you know, um, seeing what a lot of those guys did that were around before me was Mm -hmm. like, kind of just like the kick I needed to like, make my own music i guess so mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah it's, i mean it's everyone has, has a usp as well you you do you have to have like a, your own little unique thing that's just different because whether it's black metal or it's vike music like vodruna Highland, you get so many people who just copy or try and imitate that because they think that's the way to success and then there's just a a shitter version of the real thing. Like, you, you know, <laughs> true true artists, they carve their own path and they go, okay, I'm inspired by this, but I also love this or this is my heritage, this is my culture and I'm going to put the two together and go in this slightly different direction and then, you know, like I say, create your own path. And that's where success lies. And it's fascinating when you said you you there was no aim to to get big and usually that's when it actually happens when you're not looking so many people they they search for success and it never comes but then when you just focus on your craft and you just want to make cool stuff that you love then that's when it resonates with people and they go okay this guy is fucking for real
2: yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean that was really what I was going for it was just like I really wanted to make a black metal album that I was feeling kind of uninterested with a lot of the stuff coming out at the time. And I just like really wanted to make something interesting. I think it's what it comes down to.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it, I'd say that, you know, yeah, the, you're totally right. There's a lot of like uh, really awesome, uh, native American black metal out there. I, I, I follow a couple bands here and there and like try to try to keep up, but, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more that I, I haven't, you know, got on my radar, uh, yet. Hopefully. I'm sure you can get some
0: recommendations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but there's also, like, you know, it, I, I feel like there's something happening in the U.S. right now with, with, like, this genre of music. We saw Zeal and Ardor come out. Uh, some years ago and that that's that's a another innovative path um with with black metal and metal in general and and then you also have panopticon as 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 another uh, black metal artist uh, not native american um, but um but what he does is that he he through his music tries to connect to the locations that he's from and that he he loves and and like um, feels connections to in different ways. And one of the things that I I, I noticed. Um, when I was uh, reading the lyrics uh, to your uh, "Barefoot Ghost Dance on Blood Soaked Soil," is that one? It, it it highlights, of course, you know what the title also uh, signals. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, the... we have to talk about the title. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> well.
1: So, like, what I what I want to say is that the one it highlights, you know, um, Native American struggles and the the bloody history, and on the other hand, it also Uh, the the lyrics are you know focused on on nature as well and at least that's how i'm interpreting them That uh what what is happening to our earth what is happening to the place that we live and i would love to hear you talk a little bit more about that like what 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 are you telling us what what uh what should we understand from this
2: yeah i mean i would say like uh it's probably everything that blackbird does is like really based in nature uh somehow Mm -hmm. um you know in that one too um that song is kind of uh kind of like an abstract concept i guess it kind of like i kept i just kept kind of writing and it was like kind of spiraling and um (laughs) i didn't really know what i was writing about at times but it's very emotional um the only way i can really describe it i think would be uh um you know nature's such a huge inspiration in, on me and um our relationship with it and stuff and um it's a really beautiful thing and um a lot of the album is really based in uh you know like reverence for nature and the beauty and um the wildness of it i would say mm-hmm. and almost almost more like um appreciate like appreciative um of it uh whereas like ghost dance kind of stands out more to me as like that was really uh like the negative song on the album like the one where i was like um pouring all my sadness and um you know just uh all these things that weigh on me and um the things that bother me most about our past and um it was just like a really heavy song and i uh it's very sad and angry and um Mm. the rest of blackbird of of that album anyway um kind of feels different to me um it was kind of it was kind of almost yeah like event for me or something um where i could put out kind of the more negative emotions and stuff and um Mm -hmm. i think that's why it probably came out so heavy (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean honestly, like I i think it's a beautiful song. Like I, that that's that's the one on the album that I connected to and I was like, all right, yeah, this is like like that, like that's the core connection for me on on the album. So like personally that that is my favorite song. Um so so yeah, like no for me, that's just you know fascinating that uh that that you describe it as like, you know, th- that this is where you poured all your sadness
3: into.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way I can describe it, I think. Like, it's really uh, probably the most like emotional mm-hmm. song on that album for me, I would, mm-hmm. I would say.
0: Yeah, usually that... that We had a bunch of musicians on here, and the songs that, that really tap into the emotion tend to always be the ones that stand out, I think. There's just some sort of connection between artist and song when it really gets gets raw and i mean like you said it, it's about the atrocities uh done to the to the natives i mean it pisses me off and i'm not native so i can't <laughs> imagine when you sit down then to write and are in the headspace of of kind of these things of, of what you've personally experienced and then you know your ancestors have experienced the the emotions that that must tap into uh i, I can't really begin to imagine what they must be and then they come out as it as art yeah yeah um
2: yeah when i when i write it kind of like uh those same emotions of you know like oppression and sadness and stuff are um like it's not really anything you can do anything about you know it's in the past and it's Mm, yeah it's past trauma so um it's stuff i like really don't think about ever and um you know like on a day-to-day basis um and i think a lot of people are like that too and like you can it can kind of like creep up on you a bit when you you know it's like not like i don't really ever you know i'm I'm not walking around like super sad because of those yeah. things all the time but like it kind of like climaxes sometimes and sometimes it'll just like pour out you know and
3: mm-hmm.
2: that's when i write another song i guess
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I get that because you can Like you said, it is as evil as it is, it is past trauma. You there's there's not a single thing that a person today can do in terms of actually physically changing. You can try and make it right, but you can never change what's happened. So there's no point spending your life like upset about it because it's you're only gonna damage yourself because you you're only gonna kind of have a negative effect on your own life. But equally you can only kind of push those things down to a point where sometimes there's going to be something that triggers it. There's going to be a news article. You're going to just see things and it's going to be like, yeah, fucking actually really pisses me off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: That's a, that's like a perfect way to describe, describe it. I think. Is
1: there something about like the genre of black metal that, like for you makes it sort of the perfect way of one, connecting to emotions and two also like connecting to nature. Is it, is like black metal specifically, or could you, you know, do this through other genres as well?
2: I think it is definitely, you know, it black metal would definitely be the best. Um, And I think that's why, like, um, you know, part of why I started this and doing, Blackbraid in the way that I do it is because um, uh, Black metal is like has such a massive following amongst Native Americans and um, you know all across the country, and I think it's because we really identify with it a lot. I mean, it's pretty much born from all of the same issues that we face. It's like kind of almost like a mirror across the ocean there. Like uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really based in nature worship and paganism and um kind of connecting with the land but uh there's also insanely dark aspects to it and it's it's extremely anti-christian and um you know Mm -hmm. black metal you know black metal is made by pagans that were oppressed by the christians and you know have been fighting it um since the formation of black metal like being anti-christian and things like that are uh have like always been like right at the forefront of the genre and it's it's just like, it's just so similar to our life experience just as mm-hmm. natives. Like there's so many natives that just love black metal anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it just seemed perfect, you know, like, and it's, yeah. even, you know, even way before any of these native black metal bands existed, like, you know, we all love the, like everyone loves mayhem and, and immortal and, uh, Satiracod. like everyone just loves Ever, all the natives love black metal, so it's like they go; they fit really well together. I guess,
0: yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's so fascinating because, for me, particularly in in the UK, it feels like the the metal scene and I guess the whole rock scene in general, like covering all the genres, have have just declined from when I was a kid. It felt like it was much bigger. And then recently, it's you get maybe a a good metal bar. There might be like one in Leeds, which is a big fucking city. Like you might get one, maybe two (laughs) metal bars. Like, like it's just not. It it just feels like it's just not there. And I'm sure there is. You guys have gone pop.
1: That's yeah. I'm sure
0: there is a huge (laughs) underground scene, um, but it's just nowhere near kind of popularizing. You don't get. I know. My favorite rock bars from when I was younger were all shut down. Um it's just not kind of and then when you know when I go to see Alyssa in Oslo and there's four, five, six metal bars in, in like a, a close position, it's like, oh yeah, this I like this, but we just it just seems to have died over here. It's it's a real shame. It's you
1: know, it's 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 the same in Denmark. Like you know, everything you hear on the the radio in Denmark nowadays is either like the most recent pop music that has come out, or you know, ancient eighties pop. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, why? What? What? What has happened uh, to you, people? It, feel, it feels
0: like it feels like hip hop, like hip hop and grime, have taken over from what pop punk and new metal were in like the two early two thousands. Like it feels like he's just taken that shift from like Blink, Good Charlotte, like Limp Bizkit, like those band bands when I was a kid. What that that whole movement then has just become kind of all hip hop and grime and that kind of thing, and then the rock has just really kind of disappeared. You occasionally get a good new rock band, I guess. Like, not yeah. certainly not certainly not on the radio. Like, yeah, really I think listen to like Radio the, One,
2: the rock definitely just the straight up like rock and roll genre probably suffers the most in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying there's no, there's no good rock and roll bands out there, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just so much rarer than it was 20 years ago, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. But you know, America still has a pretty, pretty solid metal scene. Like, uh, A lot of Americans ask me, why do you live over here? And I'm like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, well, the metal scene is great.
0: (laughs) So what do you think the reason is for, for the, for the decline? Do you think it's just like changing tides? Like things just come and go and rock metal will have its day again in, in kind of like the popular culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard to say. I don't, I don't really know, honestly, like, what what drives people to make great rock and roll but uh it seems like less people are doing it recently so
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it it really does um it could be a case of the people are still making it it's just not popular so it's not kind of getting put on fucking mtv or like you know i don't know do mtv (laughs) do mtv show music anymore I don't, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> but like one of their spin off channels, like MTV2 or one of those <laughs> ones. But, but you know what I mean? Like they're not getting played on fucking BBC Radio 1 or whatever the big radio stations are in America. Like they're just not getting put there. So people are still making it. They're just not kind of getting pointed into the avenue because it's not the in oh, thing right now.
1: The thing is also, you know, you have those big labels, right? And they're looking for. Uh, artists and bands and and you know performers who who fit into a very specific specific formula that they have for you know pushing pushing music on on the public in, in general and that's you know I guess is Justin Bieber still a thing I, I don't remember <laughs> but I, I I haven't been clued in with like pop music for like decades now. So. <laughs>
0: Justin just Bieber.
2: Yeah, I think he is. And part of it probably comes back to artists like him, too. Uh, you know, where, like, uh, they don't write their own music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably a big part of it, I think. Uh, um, you know, they have, like, a ghostwriter or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like 30 or 40 years ago, that, that was kind of unheard of. You know, like, yeah. it was happening a little bit, but now, like, the big pop rock bands, like, 90% of them ghostwrite. Yeah. yeah, it used to be you know, I
0: remember seeing at least uh,
2: more than half of them would write their own things in the past. You know, it's it's become a thing where it's like it's probably one guy, you know, there's there's probably six guys or seven guys that wrote the entire top 40 chart, and <laughs> they're, yeah, they're just yeah, like that's... reselling their work to everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember seeing a meme once that was like Bohemian Rhapsody, like Freddie Mercury, like one. Like one song, one artist, like written by this one person, and then it was like Beyonce. Is it like who runs the world? The girl, girl song. It's like there's like fucking. It's the same lyrical much all the way through the song, and it's like born by Beyonce, but it was ghost written by someone else. And it's like there's like maybe yeah, like twenty twenty words in the whole fucking song, and it's just like there's there's no comparison between those two. But yeah it's almost like they've just found a formula kind of like Disney do like Marvel do with Disney films, uh, Disney do with Marvel films now in the superhero films. It's all the same fucking film. Just put, put with a new fancy cover on it, whatever superhero, they, they take the same model. They put a new little shell on it and put a, you know, make it look Nice. And then go okay, here you go, and everyone laps it up. It's the same fucking thing. They follow the same path. Like the hero almost gets there, then has a little bit of struggle, but it comes back at the end. Like it's yeah, the th- same. Thanks
1: a lot, Joseph Campbell, for your fucking uh, hero's uh, journey bullshit. It's like- the same.
0: <laughs> it's the same model every time, and everyone laps it up. And I feel like they've done that with music now. They they know these little artists what they have to do, and they, it's almost like lab created musicians. They go okay, mm-hmm. you need to look this way. Do this, act this way, sing this song, and they're they're just they're just a pretty face with a voice now. They're not artists or musicians anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's I yeah, that's a perfect. I mean, the the Marvel movies are a perfect analogy because it's like they're <laughs> that's exactly what they are. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> give up. on Don't them get talking. me started on them. I don't I don't really understand people's obsession with them. But to me, it's like it's kind of like blatant, like military u.s like propaganda like Mm -hmm. wrapped up in like superheroes and it's like (laughs) i don't understand how people could watch like we're on like the five Uh, or tenth avengers movie and like they've all had the
0: same plot and people are still (laughs) watching them still lapping up yeah i gave up uh i think i got to like end game i used to watch them all like every one of them because i was a big comic books fan and then i watched them all until end game and then they started releasing all the TV shows on Disney Plus and then all the films. I'm like, I can't fucking keep up. I cannot keep up with this. And they all kind of link in. I am like, I don't have the time. And they just, they're all, they like say, just all remodeled of the same thing. It's just, uh, just whatever. I'll maybe, maybe I'll watch it.
1: I mean, it's it's what happens right when uh when you industrialized art right because mm-hmm. you what, what you do is that you take uh the creations of 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 a, of a person that you know um started out as something personal to them is something that they they uh, they gave to the world because they had something significant in them right and then and then you funnel it through this like manufacturing line and and then you you end up with uh, with you know airport uh, books and Marvel movies and you know the same shitty pop music over and over again and like uh, hip-hop is a great example of this too hip-hop used to have a lot of soul and character it ha- used to be telling us a lot of things about the people who were writing it and the mm-hmm. worlds that they were living in and so on it right? was just it
0: was from a struggle and oppression it was raw mm-hmm. like like black metal was mm-hmm. i guess still is just like from that raw place Mm-hmm. exactly and then you
1: know then you have some uh some uh, uh, 80s looking uh, um uh, producer boss who shows up with his big fat cigar and he's like tinted glasses and he's like uh <laughs> <laughs> we're going to turn this into an industry and then boom uh you know the spirit of it has gone right and so now mm. now all all hip hop is like while somebody is going right so (laughs) there you are
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's everything gets fucking rude isn't it (laughs) not everything to to, to expand on what
2: you said even with the marvel stuff like it's funny you said like it starts as like some gift you know that some artist gave us and just gets tainted and it's like you can almost like you could almost watch the downfall of comic books like happen at when mm-hmm. Stan Lee died. Like yeah. as soon as his hands weren't in it anymore, it just became a market instead of an art mm-hmm. and like yeah, now yeah. it's kind of embarrassing what it's become, but like it's sad cuz you know, it's, I don't even know how long ago he died. I think it's only been maybe 5 years or something, but like I'm sure he'd be very upset to see the <laughs> amount of decline that has happened in like less than a decade.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I guess people have a. He I mean, even towards the end, I'm sure he was slipping with his control on it. But there's almost like a certain level of respect there to keep a level, and then once it's gone, it's like free for all. It's like it's it's the same thing that happens with anything. It's a power vacuum, uh, whether it's a fucking Colombian or Mexican cartel, or it's or his fucking. <laughs> Disney and Marvel like when you release a figurehead like everybody just goes fuck I want that job and, and rushes into it, and it just becomes a fucking mess and it, it doesn't matter what it is whether it's when Sir Alex Ferguson left Man United as the only football re- reference I'm ever going to give on here but it's the same <laughs> thing it's like you have this person who's there for well over a decade and then when you remove them everyone goes what the fuck do we do now I want that job and everyone just Runs for it and just makes them. It just all falls to pieces. But yeah, it's such a yes. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame. Um, we do we we were gonna briefly. I'll, I'll talk about any comparisons between the two uh, because I think it, it's commonly accepted now that the Vikings made it to um Lanzo Meadows and there was some form of settlement there on the east of Canada mm-hmm. and there was some contact with natives. So do we do we know how far that that went? Mateus, I don't know if maybe you're more clued upon that on, on how far that kind of spread. And then are there any links we can make between the two cultures that we can kind of say whether they were directly passed between or something, I don't know whether okay, so exchange okay, the, of information.
1: Right. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things to say. So one, one thing is like, Oh, uh, do we see links between like, you know, what we can call Scandinavian culture and native American uh, cultures? Right. Because there are many on this continent. Um, nothing that we can say is sort of like a direct result of interactions in that time period. Um, It's not like there's been, uh, you know, like transfer of like stories or rituals or anything like that between the groups that we can at least identify. I mean, that doesn't mean that it might not have might have happened. Like the um, that doesn't mean that it might not have happened. It could have happened, but what we can't say, um what we can say is that um so the uh, the Eurasian expanse right especially Central Asia uh, that whole area has been a cultural powerhouse for a lot of early uh, uh cultures and traditions right so think of um what is now like, uh, Western China, Mongolia, Southern Siberia—that that whole area—we um, see a lot of similarities between existing cultures in the that general area and North American cultures. And also some European cultures, and, and one example, for instance, is the creation myth that we see in a lot of different cultures um, in in, this, in sort of that belt around the the, the northern hemisphere. Um, the one of the most uh, well known ones is the like the creation of Turtle Island, right, where we we have depending on uh, which culture we talk about there, it's either a, a uh, water bird of some kind or or it's a muskrat that uh, brings up um, a mud from from under the water and puts it on the back of a turtle and we have similar types of stories in uh, in Siberia across all the way to Scandinavia and the most a uh, well-known one from scandinavia is the one that we find in Kalevala in the finnish mythology where uh the world is built on um the the godmother where it's the same but taking uh, uh mud from from the bottom of the ocean and putting it on on top of her and there also seems to be a reference to that in in scandinavian mythology and um in virul where we have the three creative gods that uh, is said to lift the world out of the ocean as well so that's like a, a a possibility of some some like deep link that goes far far back in time and has its origin in in that central asian area okay. and um the other creation myth we have in Scandinavia, right, is the story about how the world is created from Emiya's body. Like his flesh becomes the, the soil and his bones become the um, the rocks and his hair becomes the trees and all that stuff. And the Zuni uh, here in the uh, southwest, they actually have a very similar story. And this is also a story that we find in several places in, 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 on the Asian continent. So, yeah, that's um, those are some examples of like these uh, possible um, uh, similar types of stories that have their origin far, far, far back in time and then have spread out like that. Now, when it comes to like the history of, of, of interaction between Scandinavians and, and Native Americans in, in, uh, in the far east of, uh, uh, of North America, um, we know that... Uh, There was a place, presence of Scandinavians in 1021. That has been accurately dated. Uh, That's where we have the Lanzo Meadows site. We also know that that was a short duration. Like it wasn't a long, uh, long stay. It wasn't a, it's like a colony or anything like that. It was, it was probably like a trading station where they were going over and then like trading um, with the, possibly with the Mi'kmaq. and the story is actually the sagas that we have to talk about. Them coming over, they they one that the ones who come over they're Christian, <laughs> and two um, they they have conflicts and then they leave again. Um, that's like the saga, and this is quite interesting because we don't have like evidence of conflict. Like it doesn't look like there was like battles between people in at least not in archaeological remains um so you know this might be after rationalizations in Iceland for why why we abandoned um that settlement over there I think the reason that they actually abandoned it was that it was too hard to maintain because the distance is so far you have to Mm -hmm. sail across some pretty dangerous oceans and Um, essentially the it was the, the main reason that they were going there i think and a lot of other scholars think that as well is that they were looking for wood because that didn't go, grow in greenland where they had settled and it, uh, there wasn't a lot left in iceland either so so, so they were looking for wood to build ships mm. and and so when they started losing ships in that you know on that dangerous journey, essentially, you know, it's just like a resource situation. You can't maintain that any, any longer. That's yeah. probably why they abandoned it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so you so you think it was abandoned and not kind of? Yeah, I think they, so. They moved. They moved elsewhere. I mean, there's all sorts of <laughs> theories of them going down. You know, down the coast and then settling inland, or you know, oh, well, the theory biggest... was where they went to Mexico. <laughs> I yeah, so. I mean, there's, there is there is all sorts. <laughs> i went to minnesota obviously <laughs> yes
1: um carved runestones over there <laughs> but
0: there's, there's all there's all these things but am i not right in thinking that there was a like a ship repair port at lanzo meadows like there was, there was... something which, which would at least suggest that it was semi-permanent if they set up i mean they they, they did build something that they probably intended for it to
1: be permanent um hmm. But then I just I I think you know it's too resource intensive for you know mm-hmm. fifteen hundred people maximum in southern Greenland to maintain that. Yeah, um, it was too risky as well. They would have to sail over uh, to like straight across the, uh, from Greenland to to um, to Baffin Island. This we know from the sagas because they describe it. They they say we get to Hetland first. That's the the land of the rocks. And then you Mm -hmm. sail southwards to Markland. That's the land of trees. And then Mm -hmm. you get to Wienland, which means the land of meadows or the land where grapes grow. And interestingly, in that Lanzo Meadows site, they found, uh, I think it's called a butter walnut or something like that. And they don't grow at that latitude that has been traded from south from farther south where and 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 the, the interesting thing is that that type of tree grows in the same zone where you also have grapes so they might actually have called it you know grape land or wine land because they knew that that existed there
3: mm-hmm.
1: so but that's 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 really that. Now there's a bunch of like myths about what Vikings did and all that stuff. If you go to Rhode Island, you can see this uh, nice Romanesque um, uh, late um, or maybe mid fifteen hundreds tower built by in stone um probably by portuguese or something like that oh that yeah. people claim is a viking tower <laughs> <It's>
0: mm-hmm. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah oh it was, a, he was a partly templar as well wasn't it oh like yeah the Tem- there's like <laughs> the all the templars- these theories the templars <laughs> right. have something to do with that, that
1: the templars the freemasons everywhere? templars freemasons and vikings all go together in those fantasies you mm. know <laughs> like they come from <laughs> yes. the same place Um, And there's also in Boston, there's a park where it says like there's like this beautiful statue of Leif Erikson wearing what appears to be like those modern like cycling shoes that you clip in uh, to the pedals and then uh, like really tight tights and a cheerleader skirt and a metal Uh, bra of some kind, and that's supposed to be a Viking outfit. And um, and then it says that he built his house there in that park some time ago. (laughs) And I was like, No, he didn't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But great, great story, guys. (laughs) Ah,
0: It just gets it just gets lost, doesn't it? And
1: well, you know, yesterday, uh, was uh, to some people, I guess, Columbus Day. Uh, I don't, I don't know who actually celebrates that anymore. Is that, but, is uh,
0: that still a, is that still a thing?
1: Like for like, you know, some dude in Alabama or something, I don't know. Um, so and you know Columbus is 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 one of the the uh, the people that the people have latched on to to prop up their colonization of this country, right? <laughs> Another one is, uh, is is of course also Leif Erikson, right? So back in the early you know, 20th century, there was like this war going on between anglo-german slash scandinavian uh settlers and and then like italian spanish settlers about like uh, who who could claim this country right um so so like the uh, anglo-german scandinavians they all latched on to leif Erikson, and that's where all of these of stories come from right about mm-hmm. you know settling in boston and i don't know what <laughs> so
0: oh it, um, it, it, here's something funny and also embarrassing until uh, I might also be sure the British in me and our, and our ignorance of assuming everybody is like us that I thought until I was mid twenties, I thought Christopher Columbus was British. <laughs> um, I thought until me, I mean embarrassingly late, And embarrassingly lame, mate. We don't really learn about Christopher Columbus in British history. It's not. It's kind of like skirted around as he discovered. They kind of say, yeah, he discovered the West Indies or whatever, and thought he was like the Far East, and then whatever. Uh, I just legitimately thought he was British. I just assumed Christopher Columbus. That's a very standard name. That's a British man. Like I just, I swear to God, I just assumed he was British, and then I was like, I was looking someone was like, no, he's Italian. And I was like, no he's, no, he's not. Like no, he's not. He's, he's Christopher Columbus. I'm British. <laughs> no, no, no. Apparently, Christopher Columbus was Italian, and I. Well, I every. Mean- I, I,
1: I was too old. To be fair to you, there's, there's like way too many people who think he's Spanish, too. So, like, I mean.
0: <laughs> oh, did, he, did he sail for the Portuguese Empire? Uh, Spanish. Was it Spanish? Yes. Okay. There you yeah. go. I'm wrong. But, again. but yeah,
1: that's why they think he's Spanish. But yeah. Was I was, was
0: going to say the, the same thing, but then I would have offended a bunch of people. Oh, and, I know, and I know they're not the same thing. <laughs> it would have been a joke, but I'm not going to make it. But I kind of did make it, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> should we wrap this up before I get in any more trouble (laughs) thank you thank you very much um oh please please pronounce your name again so I can try and do it perfect yeah Yeah. There, there we go I got it I'm I'm notoriously bad for pronouncing names wrong on here I I appreciate you so much for taking the time and certainly educating me on a bunch of stuff that I'm just don't know that we just in this area of the world, I guess it's not really our history. So they it just doesn't get taught, but I think it's so important that it should be heard and should be spread far and wide to as many people as possible.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome. Yeah. So,
0: yeah this is a great anytime.
2: conversation. Oh, uh, Dan, by the way, to attach a little
1: comment to that, actually it was, it was also very much part of your history, right? Like new
0: England. Um No, they just, they just, <laughs> I feel like they just stole all our places, like New York. isn't this like pretty much everywhere over here, just in America somewhere. I I guess. New York, there's a Manchester, isn't there? I'm sure I saw like a Leeds the other day, or like a Wrexham. There's like pretty much everything. I feel like if you move from a place here and then went to America, you're like, I'm just going to call this the same place as my old place. It's the same name. Just give it the same name. And that yeah. was that's how inventive it was. <laughs> I Matt, Matt in the chat says he lives in Lancaster. Um yeah, the the next CEO of York. They just copied all our shit.
2: Yeah.
1: this was a great conversation. I, I feel like I learned a lot, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome me too, yeah, uh, me
0: too. And I know all our listeners will have will appreciate it and they will have learned so much. Um let people know where they can listen to your music first and foremost.
2: Oh man! Right now, it's everywhere. Uh, really, wherever you want to hear it: uh, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon. Yeah. You know, you awesome. whatever you use. Like, I got it on pretty much everything now. So
0: nice. Are you on Instagram? People. I am. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's blackbraid underscore cult with a K on Instagram. There.
0: Perfect, uh, Matthias. Where can people find you? You can find me on
1: Instagram, just my name, Matthias Norvik. And then you could also check out my website once in a while because I got good stuff on there, like uh, <laughs> recommended books on reading about Vikings and such things. Well,
0: volcanoes? Books <laughs> volcanoes? A little
1: bit about volcanoes. No, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me personally, it's and one Obviously, you can follow the business at Horns of Odin. If you can support, well, if you enjoy what we do and you can support us on Patreon, we would very much appreciate it. It helps us keep growing the show, helps us keep employing new people to help us out, and and you know getting bigger and better. We're going to be doing story time again. I spoke to Jonas last week. He wants to come back and do story time maybe once a once a month, which will always be good fun. If you haven't ever listen to a story time episode, please just, it's worth just getting the, the lowest patron subscription and listening to the Storytime episodes. We, me, Mateus, Jonas sit down and, and Jonas reads one of the, the sagas. We did the whole saga of the Volsungs. He put on a bunch of different voices for the characters. It was a really good time. There's the whole, bunch of those episodes are on Patreon you can listen to. Um, yeah, if you can, please go check that out. Obviously, you can follow us on Nordic Mythology Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, the website, the usual places. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I yeah, I love this. It was a lot yeah. of fun. The these episodes are always the best for me where I can just learn things and get sucked in. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. It was a blast. So thank you very thank you much. Man. Take care and we'll let you know when the when the episode comes out and and yeah, so you can check it out, share it, whatever. All right. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Take it easy. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye.